Before we jump into today's series that actually kicks off today, uh, I want to fill you in on a couple things, because some of you know this, some of you this is going to be newer information, uh, but um, uh, I am reminding everybody uh, that today is my last Sunday for a little over two months. And uh, I was highly, and this is because, I was highly encouraged by our uh, leadership team that after almost 10 years of ministry, seven here at Infuse, uh, I should probably take a sabbatical. And if you don't know what a sabbatical is, don't worry, I brought a definition, it's your lucky day. A sabbatical is a period of rest based on an Old Testament law, generally one year of every seven. Now, if I said, I'm going to take the next year off, you probably all freak out. And so we didn't say a year, we said just like a little over two months. And so um, as I kind of processed that and that that now would be a time for a sabbatical, uh, Stephanie, uh, my wife and I, have uh, realized that we have been going a little fast for a little too long, and that means it sometimes is a good time to slow down. Uh, I know I've realized in processing that this is going to be my last Sunday for the next two months, and I have to turn off my email, and this oh, it's going to be really stressful. The reason that it's going to be really stressful, well, one of the reasons, there's a number of reasons like I feel like I'm not pulling my weight, that kind of thing. But uh, one of the reasons that it's going to be stressful for me is because I've realized that the church has become my God. Okay? I'll say that a different way. That the success of the church, um, both in, you know, h- how we're doing and baptizing people and changing lives and sharing Jesus and loving on our community and all the things that we do so well, uh, has sometimes become more of my God than God himself. And for a pastor, that's probably not the best thing. Uh, That's what we call idolatry. And so the only way to kind of reconcile that is to step away from the thing that is sometimes your God and focus on the God who really is God. And so that's kind of the focus of the next few months of my time is making sure uh, I'm becoming physically more healthy, not just in my cold, but also emotionally, spiritually, in our family, and find a better balance in life so that we're, um, you know, geared up and more prepared for the long haul, not just, uh, you know, trying to, you know, get everything done and do everything, and, and so this has been really good. Uh, those of you who are in leadership here at Infuse, though, it might not have been the best so far because it's like, wow, we have to do more than we expected to, or we're afraid that we're going to have to do more than we expected to, and so for the next couple months, there's a lot of people who are stepping up. Things aren't always going to be perfect. Things are going to fall a little off, um, but that's because people are learning. And here at Infuse, we would rather prioritize learning and growing, even if it may, means making mistakes. I'll talk about that in a second, okay? So focus in here just for a second, because um, as I've been praying through this and trying to like process this transition, uh, I've, I really felt convicted of a couple things that I wanted to share. Actually, these are the notes I wrote in my program while listening to another pastor preach down in Austin, which I was, whereas where I was last Sunday, and in a church service. It was actually, they were a six-year-old church, much like us. It was really cool. They meet in a middle school gym, just like we meet in an elementary school gym. It was really cool, Uh, but I just had some thoughts that popped in my mind, so I wanted to share them to you because pastors are notorious for not listening to the pastor preaching, but writing a message for the next Sunday while the other pastor's preaching. I'm just, it's a failure. This is where it's unhealthy, okay? That's the point of this, okay? So anyways, here's point number one, that you'll grow, not get by. Okay, this is for all of us, all right? Not just me, because this is my purpose in, in taking a break, but also your purpose. Uh, even if it's your first time here today, or maybe your first time back in a long time, 
We have a tendency that when the lead pastor leaves and, and the primary communicator leaves, it's just like, hey, we'll get by. Or we tell people, hey, you know, the regular guy's not there, but, uh, you know, come back here in a few weeks and, and he'll be back or something like that. That's not what I think God wants to do through Infused Church for the next couple of, of weeks. I feel very, very convicted that you all are way too talented of a church. And some of you I don't even know yet because this is your first time here. Um, and... Uh, but I think you're very talented, and I know if, if you found us and we found you, some combination of, of that, you're also very talented and very strong. And I think you have the opportunity as the church, not a building or a place, as the church over the next few weeks to grow, not just get by. Maybe that's grow personally. Maybe that's grow in attendance. Maybe that's grow in more baptisms or steps of faith or joining a small group or getting involved serving somewhere. Let's grow over the next few months, not just get by until Taylor gets back. Um, and the reason I think that's possible is because you don't need me to grow. In fact, I cannot force you to grow. When you grow, anytime you've grown, maybe somebody has helped you, but ultimately it's been your decision to grow, okay? And there is a lot of amazing people around you to help you do that even as I'm not around, okay? And again, even if it's your first time or you're new, or, or even if you're doubting church and you're trying to check church out for the first time in a long time or doubting faith, maybe you're tuning in online and you're trying to figure out Jesus and, and uh, you, you're hoping that we would help with that, I think we still will help you with that. And, we, and you have the potential to grow through that even though I'm not here for the next few months, okay? The next thing is you are... You'll, excuse me, not you are, you'll trust, not fear. We have this tendency uh, when, you know, mom and dad leave for the weekend or, you know, the boss leaves or something is like, uh, what happens if? You know, how are we going to handle it if? Well, I don't know. So instead of fearing, I would really encourage everybody to trust. Trust that this is going to be an opportunity within the challenges. This is an opportunity within the challenges. This is Jesus' church. This is your church. This is my church. We are the church. And we can't do a lot of the things we do without everyone here. Caitlin was just talking about that in generosity, right? I mean, the tub didn't roll itself in here. The tub didn't get brought up from Arkansas all by itself, which is where we bought the baptismal tub. Anyways, so, you know, it takes a team effort to pull this off. And just because I'm off for a few weeks doesn't mean you're alone. We have amazing teams. We have amazing groups here at Infuse. And so I think there's a great opportunity for you to start to learn to trust in areas maybe where you haven't trusted before and instead of fearing. And the last one is you're together, not alone. You're together, not alone. That means as all relationships are, they can be messy, they can be challenging, but I really encourage you to make mistakes, get messy. If you grew up with Magic School Bus, that was always Mrs. Frizzle's thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. It's a TV show. They did a rerun on Netflix. Go and watch it. Binge it later with your kids. Okay, very educational programming. Learn more about science than I did in science class through Magic School Bus. Anyways, make mistakes, get messy, and learn. Learn. And realize that you're not doing it alone. You're together. You're together. And I'm quite confident that you all can really take any challenge that comes up along the journey. And so maybe for you, a good next step is to get more connected here. In September, we're going to launch small groups. I'm not going to be here in September, but we're going to launch small groups. And so take that step of faith, of trust, 
not fearing and get engaged together and join a small group. And I, I guarantee you, you will uh, be better, stronger, and grow more for it. Um, or you can right now get involved serving somewhere, somewhere where you are talented, somewhere where you have strengths, somewhere where maybe you, you know, you know some things, but you have some room to grow. We love doing that kind of stuff here at Infuse. A great example is our production team. Like nobody back there has ever been trained how to do production, but they've learned. Truly, that's the only thing, the only reason that they are able to do all the things that they're able to do is because they learned. They had a group through COVID that got together every week and and they learned and they got better and, and we grow as a community. And that's the kind of thing, the kind of church we want to be. And so don't hold yourself back. Um, step forward, step into. Uh, a great resource for you to go to is infuse.church slash connect uh, or talk to me after service or fill out the connection card in your program and say, you know what, I'll try something. We're not asking you to commit to something when you serve here at Infuse. We ask you to shadow. You can shadow as much as you want without committing to something because we want it to be a good fit, a good use of your talents, your skills, um, because we really believe that you are capable of leading, leading a church, a church of imperfect people, a church of imperfect people, exploring faith and finding community because that's the church that we want to be. And we believe that you are very capable of helping each other, everyone really, to grow their gifts, to grow all the gifts that God has given them, to grow their gifts and become a Christ-like Leader, That's our mission statement as a church, to help you all to grow your gifts and become a Christ-like leader, not grow the things that you're not strong in, the things that you're passionate about, the things that you felt led to invest in. We want to help grow those so you become a leader like Christ. And I believe you are all capable of that. And so really encourage you over the next few weeks that I am absent uh, from Sunday services to lean in, lean forward, step up, step in, take a next step forward. This is a great opportunity, not just a time to get by, okay? Hopefully that didn't feel like a parental lecture there or something uh, more like an encouragement uh, to you. Okay, now for the actual message, okay? So I think we have the graphic. Yeah, we're back. Okay, hey everybody, welcome to week one of our series, The Games People Play, which is gonna be really short because we have baptisms today, which is really awesome. Um, but I wanted to tee this up, and the next few weeks after this, some awesome communicators are gonna take this to the next level. But I wanna talk about the games people play because the reality is um, we are all used to, familiar with, the relationships, the moments at work and at home and school, whatever context you spend most of your daily life in, we are used to experiencing people playing games. And they're not the fun games. They're the relational games, the games that at the end of the game you feel exhausted, the relationship is broken, or the relationship is certainly more unhealthy than it was before. And I don't know about you, and this could just be me getting older and maybe a little bit more, I don't know, critical of the world, I don't know, something like that. But, but it feels like we are in a trajectory, at least in Western countries, towards less, uh, less honesty, less transparency, and more towards playing games. The type of games where you don't communicate expectations. The type of games where you don't set healthy boundaries. The type of games where you tell half-truths or 75% truths which are really difficult to sort through because most of it's true, but there's this really big part that's kind of a straight up lie. So it's really hard to parse out what's real and what's not. The world seems to be heading in a direction where we talk a lot more about people, 
behind their backs. We're more critical than we are supportive. We're more critical than we are encouraging or honest. We don't try to reconcile broken relationships. We walk away from them. We say, that didn't go well, that broke, that was a game, I'm done, I'm moving on. We don't try to find peace. And so instead we play games. And this is my observation. You don't have to agree with this, but this kind of prefaces the series is my observation is the games people play, the games people play are often issues of integrity. It starts with people failing morally, ethically, relationally, trying to cover up the truth. And because integrity was broken, you have to play games to sort of fix it playing games to avoid being honest. Think about this. When was the last time, maybe recently, maybe this past week, where you felt like somebody played a game with you and it wasn't Monopoly? Actually, that can be pretty cutthroat too. Uh, Candyland, okay? Candyland's pretty, pretty easy, right? Somebody didn't tell you the full truth. Somebody tried to sneak one by you. Somebody said some things behind your back that you knew weren't true and really did hurt you more than you expected, trying to cover the truth and avoid being honest. How did it make you feel? It made you feel like structural integrity was lost, to which you say, I'm sorry, what is structural integrity? It made you feel like crap, right? Structural integrity, this is an engineering term, so maybe some of you are engineers here. The structure consisting of many components to hold together under a load, including its own weight, without breaking or deforming excessively. That's structural integrity. So if you think of a structure, a steel structure, right? You got beams, and they're connecting, and they're forming, and, and they are used to hold the support of the building, of, of the structure. But what happens when one beam or a lot of times you use the expression of, a, of a, a chain, right? The chain is only so strong as its weakest link, right? If one beam in that building begins to deform, begins to break, cannot hold its own weight, what happens to the building? It doesn't yet fall. What happens is its load is transferred to the other beams and other components of the structure around it which is exactly what happens to us relationally, right? If someone fails in integrity and starts playing games, what is one of the main purposes of someone playing games? Transferring the load to other people. It's not my fault. I didn't do this. You were the one that messed up. You failed. You were mean. You were unethical. It was your fault. They try to transfer the load to someone else rather than looking at themselves. And they play games to do that. And in so doing, it moves the load to the other beams. The load is transferred. The unfortunate reality, and you know this because you feel this relationally, is when that load is transferred, there's a good chance that that other beam, you, were not rated to carry that load. You have exceeded the maximum capacity that extra load isn't meant to be held by you or the other beams, and therefore it starts to bend and sag, and it wears out until at some point the entire structure fails. 
it fails and it comes all crashing down. And we are getting so good, it feels like, in the world today. Again, this is my perception alone, but it feels like we're getting so good at playing games, we can keep that structure up and holding for a really long time because we're so good at playing games. We can keep it just from tipping over the edge and falling down and crashing down. We can keep leading people along and dragging them along just so much that it doesn't completely collapse. So what do we do? What's the solution? Well, there's kind of a partial solution, and then we're going to get at the heart of the solution. The first is this. Trust, oops, trust is a must to stop the games. Trust is a must to stop the games. Integrity won't fall on other people. Integrity won't break and the load won't be transferred if your goal and the people around you's goal is trust, to maintain authentic, real trust. It says, hey, I've noticed this thing happening and I just wanted to clarify, when you said this, did you mean that because it kind of hurt? Because my goal is for us to maintain trust. And the other person comes along and says, guess what? My goal is to maintain trust. No, I didn't mean that that way. I'm sorry. I could have said that differently. Could we do this better next time? Oh, absolutely. You know, sorry, I just, I wanted to clarify. Oh, no, the fault is all mine. Let's, Let's reconcile. Will you forgive me? Yes. And you move on. Why? Because trust is a must. Trust is a must. And so the load is not transferred. Integrity isn't broken, and the structure is maintained. Now, it doesn't mean you're perfect, because here's the problem. You and I both know that we are imperfect people, and we're going to drop the ball. We're going to accidentally mess up and not be honest and not seek truth. But that's where the structure around us surrounds us, not in an unhealthy way, in a loving way, and says, hey, I think this could have gone differently. We We need to maintain trust. Isn't trust important to you? Absolute trust is you're right. I maybe should have done this differently. I'm sorry. We forgive you. It maintains the integrity and it prevents us from going to a place of playing games. But this is really hard to do in practice, isn't it? It's really hard to find yourself in a community of people, even within a church. Some of you, the reason you left church is because the games people played, because the trust that was broken. Many people are outside the church and have left the church today because of that reason, right? Because trust was broken. It's really hard to find a community that's sole focus that says, you know, above all else, we just want to maintain trust and be honest and authentic because it's easier to play games in the short term. Therefore, we need a more meaningful, a more permanent solution to make up for our failures, to make up for the fact that we're going to drop the ball and they're going to drop the ball. And all of us, at some point or another, are going to fail in integrity and try to play games. Because we tell ourselves, oh, they're just tiny little games. Oh, it's a little tiny lie. Oh, it's a kind of tiny deceit. I told them mostly the truth, and we justify those actions. We're going to do that. And so, therefore, we need a third party, if you will. We need somebody that stands on the outside of the structure and says, hey, 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 That's not right. And calls us out, not in a mean way, in a loving way that says, this is how we have to maintain the relationship. And this is where, I hope I'm not being too cliche on this, but this is where we need Jesus. This is where we need to trust the perfect model for humanity. 
We need to trust the perfect model of humanity, and that is Jesus. I mean, who else are you going to turn to? Who else are you going to look to to be a perfect, divine person who's not going to fail, who's going to help you to process it, simply just even following his teachings and live a more perfect life? Jesus said uh, one time in his teaching, it's a very famous teaching, we've talked about it a lot here. You probably, if you grew up in church, you've heard it a million times. He says, every, therefore, everyone who hears my words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock compared to the people who built their, hand, their house on sand. And when the storms comes, when things get going, when people play games, the people who built their house on a rock are gonna be much less likely to fall over or to collapse. Because Jesus wants to be, came to be the person we can rely on, the person we can model our lives after, the person we can, and this is his words, follow. He invited his disciples to follow. He invites all of us to just follow him, to look at him and say, hey, Jesus, how did you handle this? That's how I want to handle it. Hey, Jesus, this is a difficult situation. I'm not sure if I'm being honest with myself. I'm not sure if my neighbor's being honest with me. How do I handle this situation? You go to him for reference. Jesus, what does, we talk about this question, what does love require of me? In this moment, Jesus, it's hard. I think they're being unfair. But in the midst of this moment, I want to maintain trust. I want to maintain integrity. Jesus, what does love require of me? Not of them. I'm not worried about them. I, it would be more helpful if they would be asking similar questions, if they would be focused on trust. But come on, let's be honest. That's probably not going to happen. So what am I going to do? I'm going to say, hey, Jesus, what can I do to better follow you? What can I do to love them better? What does love require of me in this moment? And that's the type of person who is choosing to trust in Jesus. The type of person who's choosing to follow him. A perfect model to lean on him with the big life decisions, small life decisions. And that's gonna prevent you and the people around you from playing games. Because we need, deep down, and we know this, we don't like this, we don't want it sometimes, but we know deep down that we need it. And that is someone who is full of grace and full of truth. Who says, yep, you messed up. And it was not good. You lied, and it was not good. And at the same time say, but I forgive you, and I will pay the debt of your brokenness, the debt of your sin. Why? Because I love you and your heavenly father loves you. Go and sin no more. Learn, grow, follow me more closely, and don't do it anymore. Don't play the games, because ultimately it's not fun. And ultimately, you know, you're not gonna win. It's difficult to win building a house on sand, because sooner or later, it will fall down. And we tell ourselves, nobody else sees that we're building their house on sand. Nobody tells, no... We don't think other people realize how we're failing in integrity and we're playing games, but they know. You know. You wonder. There's a part of in the back of your mind that's like, yeah, I think they're building their house on sand and one day it's gonna fall down. You know that. And you can judge them for it or your heart can break for them for it. And you can be there when it all comes falling down and you can lift them up and encourage them and give them a hug because that's what they need. They need somebody who's strong enough, who trusts Jesus enough to step in and say, I love you even in your brokenness, even in the fact that you did everything wrong because guess what? That's what Jesus did for us. 
And we need that kind of truth and grace in our lives. And it's so hard to do this because a lot of people on the outside of the church and even inside of the church are looking at the Christians and saying, you don't even follow the guy whom you say is your Lord and Savior. You don't even follow his teachings, right? That's what a lot of people on the outside of the church looking in say. In a lot of ways, they're kind of right. But if we go out and we seek honesty and we seek truth and we say, we're not gonna play games, don't you think people would notice that? Don't you think perceptions would change? Don't you think it would shift the stereotype in a better direction to say, you know what? I don't get the whole Jesus thing, but man, they're honest people. I don't understand what they do on Sundays. I don't understand why they're dunking people in water and bringing them back up. Like what's going on with that? But wow, they're the kind of people I want running my finances. They're the kind of people that I want in my family because they don't play games and they're both honest and grace-giving. In other words, they're loving in a divine kind of way because they don't expect me to take the load when they fail. They're looking to somebody else. They're trusting somebody else and it changes their lives. This is what we celebrate in baptism. This is why baptism is so great. This is what you're gonna hear is Rhonda and Steve going through their lives and not having it all figured out, trying to figure it out even today, but saying, you know what? Even in the midst of the chaos, even in the midst of the mess, I trust, I believe, I have faith in Jesus, that he died and rose again and he is alive, and I can follow him, and I can trust him, and he's who I'm gonna look to from now on. And I'm not always gonna get it right, and that's not an excuse, but I'm certainly going to start following him. I'm certainly gonna trust him more than I ever have in here. And sometimes I'll mess up, and I need people around me to surround me with grace and truth. But from this day on, I'm gonna move forward, not playing games, but trusting him because Jesus is the son of God, because Jesus is worth following. And I appreciate the love he has for me. The, I, love, I appreciate the love that he has shown me and us through the cross, through dying for us when he didn't have to. That's what baptism is. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inward decision to follow Jesus. And so what we're gonna do now is you're gonna watch their stories and obviously you can't get a whole life in just a few minute video, but it's gonna help you to hear what brought them to this moment. And then they're gonna get baptized. Their story's gonna play and they're gonna get baptized. And when they come out of the water, if you feel so inclined, it's usually a celebratory thing. So you can all go, yay, okay. Thank you, that was perfect, perfect. One person, maybe two people could clap. That'd be even better. Maybe three if you feel so bold. Anyways, yep, so we're gonna celebrate and then Steve's gonna get baptized and, and we're gonna do the same thing, yay. And then we're gonna sing a song, we're gonna pray and then we're gonna sing one more song and dismiss today. But I hope you remember, I hope as you process some of the words that they say and the things that have impacted their life that you would see that there was a shift one day a shift when they said, you know, I'm moving away from the games that people play and I'm moving towards the perfect human being, the model, the savior of my life. Here's a quick baptism explainer of, of what is gonna happen here in just a few minutes. 
My name is Rhonda Utley. I first started church when I was six years old, uh, probably first grade, went to a Sunday school class. That's when I first was saved. Asked Jesus to come into my heart, forgive my sins. And from there, I think we attended for maybe like a year and then we moved. And so I essentially never really attended church as a child in any type of consistency after that. My next phase would be, uh, well, I should have recognized sooner that this would have been the most important time to uh, have him show up for me. You know, I um, had two small kids out of college, um, working full time, and you just get busy with life. And the last thing you want to do is have children to get ready to go out on your down day. It's just, it's a lot of work and it just wasn't the best timing for me. I was just a busy mom trying to get some sleep mostly. As my kids started to get a little bit older, um, I was drawn back into starting like reading my Bible and starting to understand more about what the Bible really was saying. So I did the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I'm trying to read it from beginning to end, and it is super, super hard to comprehend that way. I started doing some outside resources stuff. You can Google everything. So just doing some of my own homework to figure out the best way to help understand the Bible. I knew that I believed in God. I knew that I needed Him in my life. I just... Um, wasn't doing anything with any type of consistency. And um, I wasn't really sure where to find the answer sometimes or how to interpret the Bible in a way that it was useful for me. I started to uh, consider finding something that was more consistent. And then there was COVID happened and I saw this online platform at Infuse. I felt like this might be a good fit for me online and maybe I can have some of this stuff answered and I don't really have to show up and I don't really have to be that accountable but I can at least get the information maybe that I'm seeking because my goal was to make my thoughts and my actions align and then I was ready to sort of continue to advance in my journey with the ultimate goal of getting baptized and um, figuring out what that looks like for me. Then with a little bit of encouragement from a friend I ended up going in person and all of a sudden, it was like a piece of a puzzle uh, fit. I, I found community. I found volunteering. I found opportunities to give back in the community that I love. And I raised my kids here. And um, I was able to start choosing faith over fear. And things started falling into place for me in a better way, um, recognizing that when I tend to seek him out, is when I get the highest uh, form of truth. I find the highest form of truth, if I can slow down and listen, the answers are there. My name is Rhonda, and I have pledged to follow Jesus Christ as my Savior. Steve Clark, grew up in Coralville. 
uh, was born in Iowa City. And as I grew up, I, there was two photographs on my grandmother's wall. One was my uncle John, who died in World War II, his great uncle. And the other was a photograph of Jesus. And coincidentally, the same photograph of Jesus was on my parents' bedroom wall. My mother was a Catholic, her family was Catholic, my father's family was Methodist. We didn't go to church uh, very often, mostly on religious holidays like Easter or Christmas Eve. One day I can recall having a conversation with my father about uh, going to church or about faith and their opinion uh, as I was growing up with my brother was that when we were old enough to understand what religion and what faith really was, that we could make our own decision on um, what faith to follow. Growing up in high school and junior high, I really didn't uh, have a, I didn't have a huge group of friends, and there wasn't really a thought of Jesus. It was more about my happiness and, you know, sports and uh, going out and having a good time. And, trying to find out when the next uh, underage beer party was at. As soon as I graduated from high school, I uh, joined the Army, and my first duty station was out of Fort Carson, Colorado. When I got there, um, I had assigned a room with two roommates. One his name was John, the other name was Scott, and it was like the odd couple in that room. So, uh, John was a Southern Baptist, he had a propensity for cleanliness and following the rules and you know everything that uh, that entails. And then Scott, on the other hand, was uh, he was a devout atheist and he was you know a drinker, a smoker, and it was it was kind of fun to sit back and listen to the debates that went on every night about you know Jesus and not Jesus. And then um, I'd kind of sit back and just you know prod both of them, but. It ended up that I was listening to John, and most of his conversations with Scott ended up with uh, John telling Scott that if he didn't change his ways, he was, he was gonna end up in hell, and, and that's usually the way the night ended. When time went on, um, it was about three months um, being stationed there and being roommates with John that um, he started prodding me with, with kind of the tailored questions of the Bible and, and Jesus and God and um, asking, you know, just, just those pesky questions. Um, he then, you know, I was kind of noncommittal, just listening to, to what he was saying. And one, one evening he showed up with the Bible and he had my name on the front of it and asked me if I was ready to, to start learning about Jesus and, and uh, following him, learning about the Bible. It was kind of noncommittal, but um, when you're given a Bible by John the Baptist, it's kind of obligatory to start reading it. And, um, so I did, I started reading it, and then without even realizing it, I was actually in a Bible study for several months with John, you know, what you read today, and and uh, I, I started thinking more and more about it. Um, a few months into this, uh, we were sent out into the field again, and we had been uh, digging our foxhole, which is you know this defensive position, and it 
living in Colorado, it takes a long time to, to dig these holes. So we had a conversation and he, he finally asked me if I was ready to follow Jesus. And I didn't really know what to say at the time. I, I sat there and, and thought about it for a little while and, and decided that yes, I was. So John led me through a prayer about accepting Jesus and, and God into my life. And there was like a, a weight that was lifted off my shoulders. I, I felt really at peace and, and, it, and it changed kind of the way I thought. Well, after I was transferred from, from Colorado to another duty station, uh, it was in a foreign country. There, we were an hour away from any of the bases that, that had services. So once a month, a chaplain would come out and hold the service, which I would attend, but there really, really wasn't um, a church to follow at that point. Um, we then, uh, I, my duty in the Army was over, and Lori and I came back to the United States, and we started attending local churches here, uh, a church that my wife grew up in, and it just really wasn't what we wanted. The message wasn't right, and uh, it, it, it was just too preachy and, um, I don't want to say condescending, but that kind of a, a vibe. Uh, after a few years, uh, I, you know, I, I got a job uh, with the local police department, and um, it, it took me, you know, through that journey of, there's people that that I really uh, didn't want to help because of their um, choices in life. But then there was other people that really needed help. And, you know, we, we would buy car seats and, and food and baby formula and all these things for people, uh, not to get a pat on the back, but because that's what uh, Jesus wants us to do. So that really continued my journey on I now retired from, from that police department. And my daughter started attending church with uh, her new husband, Cameron. And so we started going to Infuse Church. And we really, we really liked the sermons and, and the atmosphere. It was welcoming and people took an interest in you and there wasn't that uh, kind of arrogance or looking down on people judging them on the different things. So we really like the, the message. And that's why I've decided to reaffirm my faith in Jesus and God and follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So I would like to thank my wife, Lori, and our children, along with John and Pastor Taylor for asking those pesky questions and getting me back on track with my faith. My name is Steve Clark, and I've decided to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior.